0: Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. We're going to go ahead and hop into God's Word today. Um, I feel like I got something special. um, As we're in our series called What Matters, um, today we're going to talk about the subject of your faith. Faith matters. And, um, a lot of times, uh, there's, there's, um, there's speculation of faith and it's faith about me getting my knees met Is faith about this. And, you know, there's a, there's a misuse of faith as well. Um, there's a misuse of faith where we, we have faith in faith where well, we're not to have faith in faith. We're to have faith in him. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be a good day. I went back to my, my paper. Watch out now. It's I ain't done paper in a long time. So when I start throwing them, come on, somebody, it's, uh, it's a good thing. So um, I heard this little, this little story about a little boy, and uh, his name was Todd, and he was a three-year-old boy from Rhode Island. He went down to the, the seacoast to fly a kite, and uh, he had never, never flown a kite before, and, and, and Todd, the little boy, had some doubts whether or not this kite would fly. And so his his father assured him, he said, son, listen, listen, this, this kite is going to fly, that all is well, and the kite will go up as planned, and we're not gonna have any issues. And as Todd unraveled the string, as he had this, the kite was on the ground, he began to uh, unravel the, the, the string. The kite began to lift off the ground a little bit. And all of a sudden, Todd was getting real excited, and just being a three-year-old boy, uh, watching this kite fly. And there he went, and that kite went higher and higher and higher, and he let the string out. Before long, that kite was, was flying over the top, and, and uh, he leaned over to his daddy, and he said, this is what he said to him. He, sa- he said to him, he said, I knew it would fly, daddy. You said it would. That's faith. In its simplest form, that is faith. When dad says it will fly, it will fly. Come on, somebody. He put, there was an assurance, the father assured this little boy of this moment that it was gonna happen. In Romans chapter one, verse 17 says this, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish By faith, as the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. You know, when you read the scripture, there's a Hebrews chapter 11 and it's called, it's called the hall of faith. It's about people that walked by faith and lived by faith and did exploits by faith and just amazing people in the Bible. Now, sometimes we disconnect from that because we disqualify ourselves and we think, well, no, that was Abraham. He's the father of Moses. It was, you know, we go down the list of the genealogies and we look at all the people in Hebrews chapter 11, Joshua, man, he was a, he was a giant killer And, and David, he cut Goliath like these guys lived in this place of faith, but you have to realize something These dudes and dudettes were as normal as me and you The only difference is they wore robes and ate bugs and that's how they live their life Okay, that's the only difference, right? They They live differently, but they're still humans And I found it interesting when I was reading the hall of faith That it's called the hall of faith for a reason It's not called the hall of prayer it's not called the hall of serving. It's not called the hall of generosity. Why? Because none of those things are the bedrock to your foundation of being a Christ follower. This, it's it's the, the foundation of our life is faith because faith is the thing that makes everything else work in our lives. It is the foundation to living for Jesus. Jacob, come up here and bring your chair, friend. Come on, don't just sit there and act like you don't know your name. Come on, man, bring your chair. Come on up here. Let's give it up for Jacob, everybody. He didn't know I was gonna do this. Now, we all live in a realm of faith, right? We all have a realm of faith. Where are you going? Nobody dismissed you. Like, stay here. Okay. All right. Okay. This is a chair, right? Now, when you came in the room today, Jacob, did you check this chair out before you sat in? Now, I'm scared to ask you because I'm just a little nervous whether or not you checked to make sure this was going to work. When you came in, did you just sit in the chair? You didn't? You put your coat on it and then you walked away. Okay. It's technicalities. When you came back from over there and you sat in the chair, did you sit in the chair? Did you check the chair? Right, you, you, do you know the manufacturer of this chair? Have you ever met the manufacturer of this chair? Do you know his name? Do you know the company's name? Did you check the bolts? Did you check to make sure the legs were gonna hold you? Did you flip it upside down? Why didn't you do any of that? Because I knew it was a chair. You knew it was a chair. He sat in a chair before, right? And what we don't realize is this, is you've never met the manufacturer of this chair, but you have faith in the manufacturer that this chair is going to hold you. Now, we have that in the natural about a human being that's sitting in some factory somewhere, dreaming up the idea of us sitting in their chair. And we put faith in that manufacturer to develop a chair that we can sit in that will hold ourselves. Right? Some of you don't have that problem. I got that problem. I sit in a chair. I need to make sure that bad boy's going to stay up. Come on, somebody. Them, them old school lawn chairs. You guys remember them things that were made out of like aluminum and it had like the, the yarn that went, not really yarn, but like the ribbons that went through it. You sit in them, they, Hey, that ain't new. Uh-uh, that's going downtown. That's it. Break it right in half. This one, however, you didn't never meet the manufacturer. Isn't it funny that he can have faith in somebody that he's never met? He, he has faith in a manufacturer and he has faith that the way they design this chair to work is that, it, that it's going to allow him to sit in this chair and be safe. There is a faith that we walk in in the natural that we don't even know we're walking in. We have faith in things that nobody this morning went out and got up underneath your car hood hoping that it was going to start. Like you checked all the hood, you got under oil, some, maybe some of you did, but you went out and sparked, put, no, you took the key, you put it in the ignition, having faith that the manufacturer that built your car built it in a way that when you turn the key, that you turn the ignition, it's going to start, and you're going to be able to come to church. Amen, right? We live in this place of a natural faith, and you've never met the manufacturer. Are you a Christian? You met Jesus before? You never met him in the flesh? Not in the flesh. How do you know that he's real? So he's got faith in somebody that he's never seen in the physical. It's the same way in the natural, with our with our natural faith. Spiritual faith works a lot like natural faith. You've never seen Jesus in the flesh. None of us have. If you have, you probably need to check what you were on during that time. Come on, somebody. Right, yeah. But the point is this, Is that we can trust what we don't see that's what faith looks like go ahead and take your chair thank you give Jacob a big hand clap everybody here's the thing we've never met the manufacturer of our life in the flesh but for some reason somewhere along the line we believe the gospel in a way by faith through grace that we believe the gospel in a way that says he can change my life we've never met him Right, But by faith, we're believing in a manufacturer of our life that says, if you just trust me, if you just put faith in me, then listen, great things will happen in your life. Faith matters. Your faith and the foundation of how you live your life is determined by faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, It's for grace you have been saved through faith. How did you get saved? How did you become a Christ follower? It was through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. What's the gift of God? Salvation, being a Christ follower, saying yes to Jesus. Grace that you have been saved through, uh, he says, for it is by grace through faith that you have been saved. You can't even get saved without exercising faith. You are believing something through his word. You're hearing the word of God declared, you're hearing the word of God preach, you're hearing the word of God spoken, and something on the inside of you says believe that. What is that on the inside of you? That's your broken conscience, your broken soul, agreeing with a perfect will of God that says if I believe in something, even though I haven't seen him, that I believe that what he did according to his word is true, then all of a sudden Jesus moves in and he starts to change our life. That's faith. Faith matters. Hebrews eleven six, six, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't please God without faith, right? But sometimes we think, well, we can just live our own life. No, that's not what this says. He it literally says in black and white and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, listen, faith is this. Faith is seeing from God's point of view. When you start to walk in faith, because your faith matters, all of a sudden you start to walk from God's perspective to where the world's telling you certain things God's word and your faith level into God's word trumps. What's happening around you? Maybe today you're feeling physically sick. Maybe you're dealing with some sort of disease today. You actually feel that. Now, I'm not talking about false faith. Hear me, when I, let me correct some things real quick. False faith is not ignoring how you, or faith is not ignoring how you feel. It's just saying my feelings don't have the last... Answer. It's not the result, right? You can physically feel a certain way. I remember I was telling somebody this morning when I had COVID in back in 2021, man, I felt like I got backed up over 355 times by a semi truck. My head was ready to explode. My body was aching and I'm sitting there, I'm blowing in that stupid thing. And you know, I get my, my breathing down, make sure my lungs don't, you know, fail. My wife's like, what are you at? I'm like, I'm at like 8.8. Breathe boy. And so I'd blow in the thing, and but all the time my body felt like crazy. But at the same time that my body felt crazy, I was I was speaking 1 Peter 2.24 over my body. I was speaking it over, over my body. I was speaking it over my lungs. I was speaking it over my mind. I was speaking it over every little ailment that I felt in my joints, man. It was, it was rough. But listen, why did I do that? I didn't ignore how I felt, but what I did do is say how I felt doesn't dictate how I'm going to end up. So I'm going to put... Put God's word on it and I'm gonna believe that that's faith and then I start to declare it over my life faith is seeing from God's point of view some of you are nervous about your kids today you're nervous you know your parents your young parents and you got little ones running around and, and you're nervous about what they're gonna turn up to be like listen you don't have to worry about it you just see from God's point of view yeah they're gonna take detours look at your neighbor and say they're gonna take detours Right, You can't be like, well, they ain't ever going to do anything wrong. That's too much pressure for your kids. They're going to do some things that are wrong. They need to know that you're going to keep the line of communication with them. And no matter what they go through, they can come talk to you about it. Because if they can't talk to you as a parent, they will go talk to their jacked up friends. And they'll talk to their jacked up friends. They'll go find somebody that will listen to him. Why not it be the parents? Come on, somebody. Why not? We, not and, and what we do, right? we might see them going certain directions or having different uh, thought patterns and ideologies in their life. What are we doing? We're going to see it from God's point of view. Right? We're going to say, listen, I dedicated your tale to the Lord in Jesus' name, and you will walk in the plan and purposes of God. Now, you don't stick your finger in their nose doing that. You do that in your bedroom when you're praying, you're speaking through, and you're seeing God's point of view. Faith is a way of seeing. You ever get around people that, that faith is a way of seeing, like you see the, the the glass is half full, not half empty. You know? Some people you get around them, they're just pessimistic in nature. They'll suck the faith right out of you. They, they just get they, everything negative, ah, negative. Like you just went through Thanksgiving. So I know you got some family members that are like that. You get around them, they're just real pessimistic. and ah, It's going to be bad, and the world's coming to... and <laughs> That's when you take a turkey leg and stick it right in their mouth. Shut up. <laughs> faith is a way of seeing. What faith is not is not desire. Faith is not desire. Now, desire can lead to faith, but it's not faith. Faith, faith is not denial either. You're not denying things and saying you're in faith. And listen, faith is not a feeling it's not a feeling like you don't just like love's not a feeling. Let me preach this side of the room today. Love is not a feeling. It is an action word. You know, I got just kids I've known over the years at 13 years old. I just love him. I, you don't even know what that means. I just love him. Look at him. Look at him. No, you lust him. You don't love him. You lust him. Right, because love's an action word. It it, it is outside of how you feel about something. Because in marriage, there's gonna be problems. There's gonna be situations. And if you base your relationships on lust and not on love, when it's time to make a decision to love the imperfect person that's sitting across the table from you, you will run because you don't understand what love really is. You think it's a feeling. Love's not a feeling. Love's an action word. Faith is an action word, it's not a feeling. It's the same way. And actually the scripture says faith works by love. So you're operating in a realm that has no feelings attached to it. That's tough for us, right? Because we feel everything. Our emotions are up and down and every little look that somebody gives me, or they don't turn, they don't, they they leave me on red. That drives me crazy. I text you and you leave me on red and you you don't text me back. I'm about to get in the car and find out where you live. I'm coming over. Be like, hey, man, like 15 minutes ago, what's up with this? <laughs> not really 15, maybe hours. The point is this, is it's not a feeling. So Hebrews 11.1 one says, faith shows the reality what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Listen, faith leads to obedience and faith leads to action. It's not, just a fe- it's not a feeling, it leads to action. It causes us to step over the line into the purposes and plan that God has for us. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and right, r- rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love of all you have for one another is increasing. He says, your faith is growing all the more and the more. I'm gonna read you a story this morning out of 1 Kings 17. And this story is about the prophet Elijah, and he goes to a widow's home, and this is after he declares to Ahab that it's not going to rain unless, it, unless I say so. This is Elijah. And we pick up, and he says this in verse seven, uh, chapter 17, verse 2. He says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook. This is interesting. He says, you will drink from the brook. Again, he tells Ahab it's not going to rain but God tells him you're going to drink from the brook. Okay. So brooks require rain in order for this to work out. Then he says this, and I have directed the ravens to supply you from food from there. So there he goes. He says, I want you to go over to Kirith ravine and I'm going to, I'm going to provide for you there. I'm going to provide a brook of water and I'm going to bring you some ravens. That's, that's, and that's, that's Chick-fil-A, if you will. And then he says, verse five, he says, so he did what the Lord had told him. He went to kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. Verse six says, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. When I was reading this story, I thought about a couple things is that God, God knows where you are. You know, when you read this passage and you think about Elijah in this moment, he listened to the Lord and he began to obey him in this. And again, he told him that I will supply for you at this place. Listen, he knows, listen, he knows where he led Elijah to and he knows where he's led you to. He knows where he's led you. He listen, he sees your faithfulness. He saw that Elijah was going to was was faithful to listen to his word. And listen, also that you have to understand that he can provide for you. In the wilderness place. He provided for Elijah in this moment. But this is an interesting passage, right? Because a lot of times we think, okay, God's going to supply for us and and we can live by faith and and we can just, God's just going to, the brook's going to happen and the the ravens are going to come. But verse 7 says this, sometime later, the brook dried up. Because there had been no rain in the land. Isn't it funny that the prophet, God told him, I want, you, I want you to declare that there'll be no rain to Ahab. Then God says to him, I want you to go to this place where there is a brook, and there you will be supplied for. But then, in the very next verse, after being supplied for, I don't know the time frame, but all of a sudden, the brook drives up, and there's left Elijah by a brook that God had promised he would provide him from, yet it dried up. How many know that's disappointing? We've all been there, right? There's a disappointing level that can happen when it comes to our faith. But here's what we have to understand, I'm gonna give you three things of why faith matters in this moment for this story. Number one is this, faith that God is the source. Elijah had to understand that faith in God, that God is the source. It wasn't the brook, the brook was the resource. God was the source. So no matter what season you find yourself in, where the brook has been flowing and everything's going great, and, uh, oh, it's wonderful, life is great. There's ravens, hallelujah. And there's, 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 there's water coming, it's like provisions happening. And ravens are, are feeding you, but then all of a sudden you feel like you're in a season where the brook's dried up. The supply has dissipated. Faith in God, and this is why your faith matters, is that when you feel like the brook has dried up, you have to go back that it's faith in God as my source. My faith is not in the resource. My faith is in God as my source. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in God as my source. 1 Kings 17, verse 8 through 12 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go once to Zarephath. So the brook dries up. And then God begins to move this prophet around. He says this. He says, go once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Isn't it interesting? God God loves food. Come on, somebody. He he provided ravens for him. Then he's going to provide him food at this place. He's going to a widow's house and says this. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Boy, just like a chicken eating preacher, wouldn't you? He goes to this widow who doesn't have much and he's like, give me some water and give me some bread. And then he says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Now, wait a minute, God, my faith says (laughs) <laughs> you told me to go to Zarephath, and you were going to provide for me there, but you send me to a woman that ain't got no wonder bread. What are we going to do? It seems as if the brook that you left me from, led me from, that was dried up, I'm going to another place, and it's still dried up. Let me keep reading. It says this, I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, so that we may eat it and die. Wonderful. So there's this there's this level where Elijah's going to himself like God. Why did you send me here? God sent him there to remind him that he was his source. Now it's interesting that he sent him to Zarephath because Zarephath is actually, this is what the word means and this is what God does when it comes to developing your faith as him being the source. Zarephath means a smelting pot or a smelting shop. It is a workshop for refining and smelting of metals. This is what the word Zarephath means. It means this, it's a place of refinement and place of purification with fire. So it's not so much about him being provided for in this moment. See, understanding that God is your source is more about working on your purification process than it is the actual bread that he needs. It's not about the resource. See, the brook dried up because there was some junk in Elijah that needed to be dealt with, so God sent him to the city of purification. Woo-wee! Sent him to this place called Zarephath. Sometimes God is gonna send you to an obscure place to refine you. Some of you, it's that obscure job, it's that obscure relationship to purify us. It's that step of faith, it's that, it's that oh God, I put all my, look, some of you got too much faith in yourself and you're capped in your life when it's all about you. God wants you to understand today, you have to understand that he is your source Listen, miracles happen in unexpected places. God sent him to an unexpected place. He did not plan to end up here, and he did not plan to meet a woman that would have enough flour to make a piece of bread for her and her son, and that they were going to die. Now God, how are you going to supply for me here? What was God doing? He said, "I sent you to the place to purify you." And I'm telling you today, when it comes to God as your source, we need some purification about our motives. We need some purifications about our hearts. We need some purification about our holiness. We need some purification about our sanctification. We need, some, we need some purifying of our motives, our hearts, our emotions, our mentalities. And listen, that's why the brook dries up. That's why God sends you to a place that doesn't, it doesn't feel like, oh, there's an overabundance of supply to supply for me here. Because he wants you to understand your faith has got to rest in him being the source of your life. And God, if you wanna, you wanna wreck me and you wanna mess with me, And you want to take me to this place called Zarephath, I'm in, baby. Wherever you're at, listen, I'd rather go to Zarephath with God than to go to Zarephath without God. And I go to Zarephath with God and he starts to work on me. Number two is this, faith that God provides despite our lack. Faith that God provides despite our lack. So where do you lack today? See, Elijah began to lack. Be careful of putting your eyes on what you lack. When you begin to put your eyes on, on what you lack, all of a sudden you're gonna miss the fact that God is your source. Elijah could have begin to complain about the brooks dried up. If you think about it though, the brook dried up because of what he said. It wasn't because of what God did, it was because of what he said. He said, nevertheless of my word it will not rain Ahab until I tell it to rain. In other words, God used his own word to put him in a place where he would start to trust him as his source. So we have to understand that there's there's faith that God provides despite our lack. Listen, lack is not just money. Get that out of your mind. Some of you lack in your relationships. Some of you lack in your emotions. Some of you lack in your direction for life. Some of you lack in your vision for your life of what God has for you. Some of you lack in your purpose. You're just going through the motion and you lack. Listen to me, he wants to provide. Listen, here's what I want you to understand. Lack means that there's something left to work with. Lack doesn't mean that you're empty, that the barrel's empty and there's nothing left. No, it's like Elijah, the woman had a little jar of oil. Come on man, she had a little bit of flour and that's all God needed to work with. So your lack doesn't mean your barrel's empty. It means that there's something in there if you would change your perspective to faith that God is my source and that he provides for me despite what I lack, even though it's a little bit of oil and a little little bit of flour, that doesn't matter what it is, that as long as I have a little bit, that a little bit with God is a lot, that I put my faith in him and all of a sudden God will begin to take my empty, my lack, or excuse me, my lack, and he'll turn it into abundance listen the key to provision is starting with first first takes faith faith isn't required when you give out of abundance faith isn't required when you have everything faith is only required in faith every day no you don't you just work really hard have good paying jobs and you can rely on that that takes no faith it's when God comes to you with your job and says, empty your account. That takes faith. To bless somebody, to help the church, whatever it is. You're like, oh, here he goes. He's gonna talk about something. No, listen, listen now. It could be even this. God says to you that in a relationship, God says to you this way. He says, I want you to carve out time in your schedule and I want you to remain faithful to spend time with that person throughout the week. Well, God, you don't understand my schedule. What God's trying to do is get you to operate in faith that you understand you might think you lack some stuff, but God wants to bring abundance in your relationships it's does to take you stepping out of your comfort zone to help somebody else that's gonna allow for that to take place. God provides for despite our lack. Listen, the widow in the New Testament had two mites and Jesus said, listen, she gave them. Wasn't the amount... It was the heart, it was the motive. And she was giving by faith, and Jesus said this, she gave everything she had. God doesn't care how much you have, he wants to know how much you trust him with what you have. Bottom line, there's been some times over the years, man, where I would, when it comes to tithing and giving, where I'm like, hey, like, we gotta decide between fish sticks and the kingdom, come on, somebody. Man, it's tight, like, it is tight, right? But there has to come a point where I understand that 90% with God is better than 100% without him. Because it's not just connected to your money. Hear what I'm telling you today. I'm not, I don't, this ain't in my notes so this is extra. It's not just connected to money in my life. The scripture says that he would rebuke the devourer for my sake, which means my money helps my kids stay healthy. If they get sick, all of a sudden I can draw on a promise that says, nope, sorry, that's not going to work in my house because I'm aligned in every area, right? Because now all of a sudden I can draw on him saying, listen, I will rebuke the pestilence out of your life, the things that come and try to steal things. He says, I will rebuke them out of your life. Why? Because first things, first, the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God or God's way of doing things. Let's go on down to verse 13. I'm going to close here in just a minute. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home, do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make some, something for yourself and your son. Now, if he didn't understand what she said, he missed it. He said, she said, I got enough for me and my son, then we're going to die. What does, the, what does the prophet do? He says, go home, do as you said, but before you eat, give me some first. Prophets represented the word of God. They represented the voice of God in the earth in the Old Testament. What was he trying to communicate? Put God first. And this is what he says. He says, and then make something for yourself and your son, for what is for this is what the Lord the God of Israel says the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth or on the land. What was God communicating to them? I will provide for you despite your lack. Take your flour, take your oil, bake a cake, give me a little bit first. Come on somebody. Give me a little bit first and then all of a sudden your jar is going to burst forth with oil. And he says, you're you're not ever going to run dry with your your flour and you're going to have enough and your kid's not going to die. In other words, you're giving affects generations. He, he starts to, he starts to go into that and he starts to talk about how, listen, listen, there's little bits, you know, think about the loaves and the fishes where Jesus just said, bring me what you got, man. Take the little long john silver mill of this little boy, take it, give it to me. Jesus took it. He put it before his father. He broke it. He put it into the hands of the disciples to feed about 20,000 people. He took it and he began to multiply it in the hands of the disciples. It wasn't a lot. It was two loaves and, and, and five fish and two loaves. It was something small. It wasn't, it wasn't big, right? He took that and he, he took it in that place of faith. He said, bring me what you have and I will multiply it. Listen, we take care of the demand of God. Here's what the Lord said. We take care of the demand of God and God will take care of the supply. What is the demand of God? That there is a generation of people that need him. That if we would put a demand on reaching lost people, if we would put a demand on raising up students and kids, if we would put a demand on reaching the poor and feet, and feeding and clothing them, if we would take care of the orphans and the widows, like the Bible says, that there would never not be enough. There would be exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think according to the riches and the power of him that lives on the inside of us. The jar of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, but there's always a but, Her son became seriously ill and dies. She had given everything she knew to God and he passes, he he dies. Listen to what faith says. 1 Kings 18, verse 17 through 24 says this. So uh, verse 18 18 through 24, they don't have this. I put it in my Bible. I didn't put it in there. It's in there. Verse 18, so she said to Elijah. What have I to do with you, O oh man of God? Like she was getting ticked off now. Be careful of offense, folks, when it doesn't turn out the way you thought it should turn out. She's like, God, I gave you everything. I walked by faith, I gave you everything. And my son is sick to the point of where he's died. There's disappointment sitting in, in her heart. And he, she says, have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room. That's the place of prayer. That's the place of faith. It says where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then cried out to the Lord and said, "O oh Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? And he starts to go, hey, did you kill him? I told her to give me some chicken and some, and some oil and some bread and you killed him. Then he goes to verse 21. And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, "O oh Lord, my God, I pray let this child's soul come back to him. He was dead. The prophet in in that day would lay, and he would lay, uh, because the anointing of God was on his life, he would lay and he laid on the boy, trusting God would raise him from the dead. And then he says this, he says, then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. Notice what he said, he went back three times. He did it three times. Faith says there's perseverance. You have to persevere. Then he says this, he says of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. In verse 18, chapter 18, it says, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain on the earth. In other words, what was God trying to communicate to this woman? It's not over. Faith says it's not over. She gave her dead boy to Elijah. In other words, faith matters for the future. Faith matters for the future. When, when, what God is doing each little step of the way in, in his life and her life is giving us faith for the future. You might feel like, well, I don't have my faith for the future. Listen, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Some of you thought your future was done, it was over. Like, this, this happened to me and it's over. Listen, the widow's faith created a legacy. There, there, was, there was this faith matters for the future. He says, I have a plan for you. Luke chapter four. He's the only prophet that goes from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Truly I say to you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. When the sky was shut up for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah, listen, was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. There's faith for the future. There's faith for your future. Faith matters because you have a future. Faith matters because you have a purpose. Faith matters because it's gonna be the thing that's gonna cause you to trust at a whole new level. You know, I was thinking about a rock climber and I have a, a picture of my rock climber here. And I was thinking about a rock climber. And this rock climber when they go to climb rocks, they put the, the anchor at the top and they run the ropes up. They go, somebody goes up, puts the anchor, so on, so on, so on. And then they gotta scale this massive, this massive rock as they rock climb. And as I was, as I was thinking about the rock climber and I was thinking about the, the challenge of this steep cliff, the face, they're like hugging the side of the the um, the, 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 the rock. Do I not have my picture? I don't have my picture. Well, anyway, he's, 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 he's up against the rock, and as they climb, you know, again, they're secured by a rope and a harness and, and a reliable gear. And and they start and they start to look up and they see this cliff, they see the face of it, you know, thinking about how big it is and the height and the ruggedness and uncertainty of the climbing, and, and going up and they're they're preparing and they're inspecting their gear before they go up and ensuring everything is working in con- proper condition and 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 they, they prepare themselves and then the climber begins to go up the side of the mountain or the cliff and the encounter they experience. It might be a slippery foothold, gusty winds, or obscured pathways, and and despite despite their obstacles. They're, they're, they're going up this mountain or this cliff And, and, and they're persistent and they're, and they're trusting They're trusting in this rope They're trusting in their gear They're, they're, they're putting their trust in it As they begin to climb and, 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 and move into the direction Of the top of this cliff And faith involves Navigating life's uncertainties Trusting in God's guidance Even when circumstances Seem daunting Or unclear Trusting the rope. The climber puts an emphasis on trusting the rope. The, the, the reliance was on the rope knowing that it was securely anchored above, up above on the top of the mountain or the cliff. And, and that's what faith does. Faith, 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 as we go through life, we go through the journey like the rock climber and it's hard, it's difficult, it's, it's uncomfortable. And we find ourselves in places trying to figure this thing out. But if we would just return to what we're anchored to in the middle of the difficulty, God will see you through. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads this morning. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What area of your life do you need to realize that faith matters? What area of your life do you need to allow for your faith level to go to the next level? I wanna encourage you today, maybe your first step today is knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. That's your first step. Ephesians 2.8 says it's by grace through faith. So maybe you're in this room today and you, 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 you've never made that step to say yes to Christ. Or maybe you've walked away from God and, and you need to come home to Him and make that decision to say yes to Christ today. If you're in this room, would you do me a favor? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you forward or anything weird. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I just want to pray for you. You say, I need to make a decision for Jesus today. So let me pray for you, church. I'm praying today that, that wherever you find yourself at on the faith journey, that you realize your faith matters. So Father, I pray over our church today. I thank you, God, for, for the faith that's in the room. Thank you today, Lord, for your spirit. Thank you today, Lord, that faith, God, as we put our faith in you, that we anchor our lives to you, Lord that, God, we can, we can anchor and we can trust and we can, we can live in that place. And, and, God, I thank you that, Lord, you said in Hebrews 11.1 one, that, that faith is now the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so, Father, we thank you today for raising our faith level, to see that you're our provider, Lord, that we can see through what you see, that, that, that we see as you see. And so we love you today. We praise you for it. Thank you for removing the obstacles for us to be able to see like you see. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap today for his word. He's good. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.